All right, Tim, we have uh, from New York City live, uh, Mr. Frank Rich, uh, writer, columnist, pundit, funny, nice guy. Uh, and, v- now, and now prolific executive producer? Of comedies. Who'd have thought? <laughs> Who'd have thought? I'm so completely unfunny. No, we take you. <laughs> no, we take, we spend a lot of the first season of this podcast talking about, because it was up live, how great succession is. And we ended up oh, referencing yeah. how we know you and bragging about how we know Tony and Georgia. Like we have credit for that wonderful show. But yeah. This incredible DNA between uh, uh, the two shows, really. You know, indeed, you know, as I'm sure you talked about. Jesse Armstrong, I first met him in Baltimore when he wrote the last episode of season one of Veep, when uh, the, the Selena crying episode. Yeah. And uh, he never came back again. You guys scared him away. But no. Uh, that yeah. actually brought up a question that uh, uh, from right before we started recording, which was, was we the was Veep the first show that you were like an on-set executive producer for in your relationship with HBO? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was it was the first series I was involved with. I had tried to develop a couple that had not ever made it to pilot. I had made um a documentary. No, I hadn't even made it yet. I was saying I made a documentary about Steve Sondheim where we shot some stuff on on a stage and in a location. But no, I think it was the first set that I hung out on, and um, you know, I was pretty ignorant of what I was doing, and and yet I'll never, you know, I'll never forget arri- arriving in Baltimore the night before we started shooting the pilot, or maybe the day before the last day of pre-production, and I really, I really don't like Baltimore for reasons having to do with family members who lived there or died there in some cases. Nothing to do with the civic uh, culture of Baltimore at all, just personal reasons. And um, get out at the station from New York, and it was snowing. And um, I didn't know what I was doing, and I was taken to the famous uh, Ritz-Carlton residences. Oh, where it turned yeah. Out, and the only people there were Armando, Julia... Me, several. I don't know if other actors were there. I can't. No, was, not in the residence. Like the shot. It was completely like The Shining. There was nobody there. It was this development that had gone up during the boom period and had gone bust before it opened. So I'm sure it cost like ten dollars a night to stay there. And I remember <laughs> I go up to my room, and the first sign that this was bad was the television didn't function. Oh my God. Then I asked about room service. There was no room service. You could go, what was that place called? The Skipper's Inn, the Scupper. The Rusty anyway, Scupper. The Rusty Scupper. The Rusty Scupper. <laughs> you could walk, you could try through the snow to the Rusty Scupper. <laughs> and then I remember the next morning coming down and seeing Armando, and he was having to rewrite something. And it's, I wrote all night. Unfortunately, as in The Shining, I wrote it all in one line. Uh, so, <laughs> and, 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 and I still remember Julia saying, I am never going to be in the Ritz-Carlton residence again as long as I live. But anyway. So I, I have a question. Like, this job of yours on Veep, first time on set for, like, an HBO project. Right. My perception of your job is you're an expert in politics and grew up in D.C., so you're a consultant on the validity and plausibility of the stories that they created? Or how did you see your role going in? 
I didn't know what my role was going to be, but I actually, <laughs> I answer. actually, uh, yeah, I really didn't. Um, I actually, I helped, you know, I think Armando liked that I could help with that a bit. But the truth is, although I've written a lot about politics, I haven't lived in D.C. since I graduated high school. I really have a phobia about D.C. as, as I do about Baltimore. And so a lot of the stuff we've, we hired consultants, and indeed some of the same ones have worked when we've done a little bit of Washington stuff on succession even, including, including by the way, Tammy Adad. Uh-huh. Who's amazing. No. And, and, um, but it was really to be a producer. And gradually as it went on, and as my career has gone on over the you know, decade or whatever since, it's sort of, you know, everything. It's like yep. everything. I mean, if you want to be a creative producer, I'm, I'm doing it because I, you know, I came out of the theater originally as a drama critic and a theater nut as a child and uh, a failed actor in, in uh, college. And uh, I, uh, I really love all the aspects of it. So I like being, you know, I like, I like dealing with cast, dealing with casting, dealing with, you know, the network, uh, dealing with crew, sometimes, you know, being, being, and being in the, and a part of the writing process without actually writing. Although sometimes I contribute stuff, but, you know, I sat, once Dave took a, Armando didn't have a real writer's room. Um, it's all done by email, but in conversation. But when Dave took over, Dave Mandel took over and the show moved to California, he asked me to be in the writer's room and I was there the whole time. And and it sort of, I learned a lot, uh, you know, and about dealing with script, re- reading scripts, uh, in process, various drafts, giving notes, looking at cuts, all of that. And, um, you know, occasionally contribute a joke or a pitch one that's rejected. Uh, but uh, so it's, a, so I, I really like, I, you know, it's, it's when I arrived on set in, in, uh, in uh, Baltimore for the pilot, I kept thinking, God, you know, I really felt like I was in the theater and I'd always loved the theater but I'd never actually thought of going in it, uh, into it. I had always um, written about it and gone and all that. And so it really scratched an itch for me that I didn't quite fully understand I had. Did you see it? Because you had a, a pretty now prolific career as like an on-set creative producer mm-hmm. uh, on Veep and then right into Succession after that and now on White House Plumbers, which is another HBO show that uh, right. Dave Mandel wrote a show ran. He was the show. Alex and uh, Alex and Pete wrote he, it. Yeah, right? Al, yeah, yeah. Alex Gregory and Pete Hike wrote it, and and Dave directed it. So, did you see this when you were coming into the Veep? Uh, you know, like I, I remember we. Uh, I was sitting right next to you, like in our first like network table read. Uh, did you wow. see the like these years going like that when you were there for that table read? Is this kind of where you saw? Yourself ending up? It's a very good question. The answer is it's about time. No, Tim. it's about time. Tim, <laughs> yeah, it's about time. <laughs> a good question. They're usually more self-serving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He'll ask people about his IMDb page a lot. <laughs> hey, uh, Frank, have you seen? <laughs> have, my, you seen have, have you seen my star meter? <laughs> uh, um, no, but you know, I, I I didn't know it would take over my life to the point where almost <laughs> squeezing out my, my uh, journalism career, I sort of ended up tilting towards this somewhat unexpectedly, but I absolutely loved it. And I, and it's also, I've just learned 
so much, you know, and, and to learn, you know, when you're older is kind of an amazing experience. And um, so I feel, I feel incredibly lucky and, and um, I, I, I love the work. You know, one thing about the work that's, that you might find interesting, given the world I came from, one of the things I always liked about journalism, dating back to like my college newspaper as an undergraduate, was you have a newsroom, you know, it looks like uh, the Lou Grant show or what, you know, or the front page, you know, it's, it's, it's a vast expanse, you know, like in all the president's men of reporters and editors and, you know, and, and, and workers at press room and all that. I mean, I love that about uh, newspapers and magazines. When digitalization came in, it vanished, you know, by the, by that point at the times, the New York times where I was still working, you know, you didn't have to go into the office. You didn't have to appear with your copy typed and give it to someone. You could do it all remotely. And and gradually, the places like the Times downsized their physical space because they just didn't need it. On a sound stage, it, it feels like being in the front page. It's a, it's a huge number of people. They're, they're people who are, you know, talent, they're people who are creative, they're people who get the job done, they're people who make the trains run on time, work the machinery, they're designers. And it's it has that great kind of, I feel, I don't know how you guys feel as, as actors, but it's that sort of slightly family, we're all in this together, uh, con, you know, feeling of being part of, I, I hate the word, but part of a community, you know, it, yeah. it's a cliched word, but but and and tr- and trying to um, you know put on a show and unlike mm-hmm. journalism you can make it all up yeah <laughs> you, know, you don't have to you don't have to have no obligation to the facts well to that yeah. one of the things like off of that one of the things that I love about being on set is exactly that thing that you're talking about of like of every department you are dealing with people like the like the the graphic designers, you are dealing with people who are experts at that thing. And you get to talk to them. You get to talk to a person who is an expert in their field. And that was one of the amazing things about having you on set is that I feel like for both just regular news stories and also show related things, we found a lot of uh, solace in coming to you and be like, we would ask you like, Frank, can you give us a historical uh, framework for this event that's happening in the political world, just yeah. in real life. But then also, you were able to frame these things for us in the show. Well, well, thank you. That's very nice of you. I, you know, I, look, meeting meeting both of you and, and, and as you know, many other many of your colleagues, maybe not all of them, but my, <laughs> um, uh, no, no, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much all of them. You know, Armando said at the beginning when we were casting. He had a no asshole policy, and I and I think successfully carried it out. We didn't have an asshole in the cast, uh, um, but uh, yeah, I look. I loved meeting you guys and talk, and and I learned from you too. I learned I learned a lot about how it works, about how the artistry of it works at the at the level where you really got to carry out this, you know, uh, the scripts on exhausting days with, you know, sometimes. Uh, circumstances including human circumstances intervening as for instance tim when your kids were born you know yeah. I, that was a big thing during the the first season and um yeah so it's 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 i don't know if people who who watch television or movies but don't know the process 
really understand what it's like. That they, you know, there's a kind of magical aspect. And when you're in, see how the sausage is made, it's it's much different and it's sort of more human. It's not just like if you see a great show, greatness just sort of, you know, fell down out of the sky. Yeah. Everyone was a genius. For the, you know, the hard work involved. I was thinking, I was thinking knowing I was coming on here, speaking of the hard work, remember <laughs> the scene, the, the Catherine's party scene in Baltimore with the rats running around the location. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, yeah. With, with Chris Morris directing. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and and you had that great, you had a, a great moment in that uh, great little bit in it thing with uh, Zach Woods. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, like that. <laughs> but anyway. It was that just like the amount of joy on the, or I don't know if the amount of joy that, uh, that we shot with was a thing. And I don't know if this has happened to you, uh, since being on sets a lot more, but now whenever I watch a show where they're like out in the woods and it's snowing, all I can think is, oh man, they were all so cold that day. Yeah. I, I, I really, really feel it. And, uh, uh, and of course, and I, and, and unlike, Veep, really, except maybe once at Lake Arrowwood or whatever, um, Succession has actually shot in really freezing places, oh, you know, and, yeah. and, 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 and as well as incredibly hot ones, which, and then White House Plumbers, when I was working with Dave, you know, it was, it was like 100 degrees and insects and humidity, and we shot in, can I say this, the opioid capital of New York State. <laughs> oh, boy. Which, which shall, shall go nameless, Newburgh, New York. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, it, it was so hot, by the way, in that show, which we shot last summer, that in the takes as I'm working, sitting with Dave Mandel in the edit, you see the actress sweating in some of the takes because the air conditioning was not uh, necessarily um, uh, helpful. Well, it's so interesting because, like, this... Tim's talked about this being like his first big TV show and you're sort of stepping into this career that you've blossomed into like a go-to guy to produce really good TV shows at HBO. And like, it was a unique process for me because like you said, I do remember you being a little authentically giddy about the theater aspect of our rehearsals. You were very like, honestly like vulnerable and, and in a way that like the community of it all is like, we were sort of like, you were like, this is really fun for me. Like, I didn't really know you, but you were sort of honestly like already like, you guys are so funny. And maybe we weren't that funny. Maybe your job is to tell us we're funny when we're <laughs> rehearsing. We, we finally we figured so- out what the role of a producer <laughs> Producer has convinced them they're funny and then we'll fix it and edit. That's your job. But yeah, no, but, no, but in the community sense, you were like in the trenches with us right away in these like, whether it was a ballroom at, in the London rehearsals before season one or the pilot rehearsals. And then every successive like table read in the, in the trash company storeroom that we shot our stu- you know, the mattress factory, whatever that place was. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? I think it was a whorehouse actually. Yeah. <laughs> they only told us after the fact. Yeah. yeah no, it was yeah. a slaughterhouse, I think. Yeah. <laughs> slaughterhouse. Yeah. Um, well, th- well, thank you. I really, it was completely genuine. I, I love it. I love watching, uh, artists work. I love watching great actors, which you guys are work. And one thing about Veep in particular, um, because of the, the way Armando created and what he called rehearsals were the rehearsals in a sense, but as I, but they were also, um, I'm sure you've talked about this as much 
improvisations where brilliant, you know, improvisational comic actors like yourselves could, you know, Armando would say, well, put the script down, remember whatever lines you remember, but create your own um, if you want to. And to see that process happen and then see the writers like a Tony Roach or a Georgia Pritchett writing it down, you know, cannibalizing in a good way what these brilliant actors like you guys did, it's kind of th- thrilling. And to be, you know, have a front seat for that, it's like, I I cannot, I, I feel, ver- as I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I feel very lucky to have, to have, have that. And that's what interests me. I would never want to be a, there, look, producer is a, no one really knows what it means and can mean anything. It could, there's at least one producer of, uh, succession. I'm not sure has actually ever seen the show, um, but, <laughs> and I'm not and I'm, and I'm not joking. But but so you never know what it means. But to me, the whole for me anyway, the whole point was to be a part of it. Get you know, be there, witness it, help in any way I can. Get out of the way when I should get out of the way. And leave people alone and. Um, it's pretty great life. I mean, it's a lot, you know, you're not home all the time and it can be yeah. incredibly long hours, but uh, it's, a, it's a nice business to be in. You know, it's fortunate yeah. that, that we're can, in it. Can I, I'm springing this question on you because I'm unprofessional, but do you th- can you think of, I remember, uh, I remember going through those first few years, moments where you had, uh, uh, like in, in your uh, in your position as a producer had gone to arm to say, that's not exactly how, uh, that particular information would be delivered. I, or like, uh, the buddy, I'm going to, they wouldn't go to a steakhouse or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Like, I think I remember that being a, a suggestion you had that like this sort of backroom deal with that Arizona Senator, that wouldn't be in an official office that would have like a steakhouse off campus. Can you think of any other, uh, uh, parts of the script that you had a hand in changing because of your political knowledge? I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, the answer is certainly yes. Although Armando, obviously quite sophisticated and like a number of British writers I've met, including since on Succession, really dote on American politics and follow it with in shocking detail. More yeah. than many Americans... <laughs> Do. I'm hard-pressed to think of specific examples. It's funny. It's not what I really remember because it was just so casual to me. But yeah. let me give you an example, though, of where expertise of me or anyone else was not needed because it's one of my favorite things on the walk up to Veep. He wrote, Armando wrote, before we made the pilot, uh, he wrote a document about production design. And it, it, he talks about how awful the offices look. And, you know, the chairs, they're institutional, you know, government institutional chairs, they don't fit the desks. There's crap all over the tritus all over the place. Everything's a mess. And um, and then he talked about the costumes. And, I, and Julie and I, because Julia grew up in Washington too, and we I had never met Julia before the show, and we first bonded over our hatred of Washington, how great, <laughs> happy we were. We no longer live there. And we both love this. He talks about how badly everyone in Washington dresses. And he says, you know, um, 
everyone's fashions are seven years uh, <laughs> behind be- the trend. Be- behind <laughs> behind New York. He said, except Dan is uh is hipper, hipper dresser, sharper guy. He'll wear an Armani suit. He's only five years right. behind New York. <laughs> And 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 so 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 you know I don't think Armando needed that much help. That sure little details, yeah. But he was very sophisticated about Washington, and I think it had helped too that by this point, of course, he had made in the loop, which yeah. was the first thing he and and learned a lot from that because a lot of us set around the Pentagon and Foggy Bottom, and um, so 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 yeah. I mean, to me, when I look back on producing the real, you know. The two, I'd say, the two biggest challenges on the show, or the two things I most dug into, was one the transition from Armando to Dave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was, you know, well, let's really unpack that. Let's unpack that. If what's your second one, so we can remind you, what was your second point? The, you're gonna the, the, the second, the second one is we don't even have to go into detail. Was Julia's illness? Okay, oh, yeah, great. That, yeah, that you know, and making sure and I, I think that story's been told a lot you know it was a we stopped for a year and then in the course of it you know trump all this happened um in the case of the tra- transition yeah. it was really interesting you know it was it was uh we could have ended the show with honor when armando basically wanted to get back to england and his family which needed him and you know he'd done it four years and that's a lot for a british series in particular even though it's an american series but for you know, and he wanted to do other things. And there was talk about ending it, but HBO, me, Julia, wanted to continue if we could find um, someone who could take over that would be seamless. The idea of Dave was Casey Boys, who was then the head of comedy at HBO. Can I ask you a question, Frank? When did, yeah, when did yeah. you know When did you know Armando wasn't coming back? Like, we finished filming... And we were editing episodes, I'm sure, or they were editing them in London. Like he, when did he? He told me at the rap party. Okay. He he had been making noises about it for a year. Okay. Uh, and then he, my memory is, he told me at the rap party, "This is real." You know, we tried that system where he'd spend more time home and and turn it over to a very good triumvirate. You know, led, yeah. led by uh, Tony uh, Simon and Simon uh, Tony Chris. and Simon and, and Chris Addison. Um, but it didn't really work because he's compulsive and the time difference, you know, he's sending rewrites at four in the morning and ball, you know, so it's like, it was, it was unworkable. And, and, he, and so it was a, quite a deliberate decision on his part that he spent a lot of time thinking about. So then, um, we go into this period of uncertainty and, uh, Casey had the idea of, of, of Dave Mandel. Casey knew Dave because, uh, uh, he had worked on Curb Your Enthusiasm, and uh, which was another show that reported to Casey. And so uh, we had to, uh, I had to fly to LA and have a secret drink with Dave and Julia. And I still remember, and I'd never met Dave before. Um, I did ask my one of my sons, who's a comedy writer in television, who career had some who's much younger than Dave, but whose career had hit some of the same stops like SNL. Mm-hmm. 
if he had an opinion, and it was the only time my son was ever impressed by anything that I was wow. doing and telling him, he said, oh, Dad, it would be an honor to work with Dave Mandel. I'm trying to get him to spend one day in my writer's room and can't get him, you know. And um, so we go meet him, and I still remember. Do you know where you went the, for the drink, for the yeah, secret drink? The same yes. question. Like, what backroom Hollywood yeah. uh, Steak bar was this? <laughs> this was at the Four Seasons Bar. And, and on Doheny. Yep. Oh, nice. And uh, in like the middle of the afternoon, no one was there. And I still remember Dave say he was a big fan of the show and saying, I have one, I, I have one idea right away. There has to be a, he has, she has, Selena has to have a presidential museum. He said, but I think it should be a bookmobile. Uh, and, <laughs> that, we, we had a presidential library rather and I, we did have the presidential library it wasn't a bookmobile but then and so he was hired and we started and as and as you'll recall we had there were scripts and there, there were table reads and they didn't go great and and it was clear that every, everyone was a bit uncomfortable it just wasn't clicking, uh, and um, which is to be expected. Yeah. And 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 Dave himself, who I was just getting to know, wasn't comfortable with it. And he thought about it. And I remember him saying, "You know, I'm figuring out how to write it. I think he's a. I think he's brilliant. I think he and Armando are two of the most brilliant people I've ever met. Yeah. Writers I've ever met in any field, yeah. including my own." And he said, you know, he, the example I remember him giving me was um, uh, Gary. He was, say, he was saying, you know, the thing about it was very overwritten for Gary in those, in those two drafts. You may not remember this, but he had a, big fat speeches and a lot of verbal uh, byplay. And he said, you know, Gary is really like a cockroach in the crevice of these scenes. And what Tony Hale does so brilliantly, get across the... He, it, there's so much volumes in the way he acts it. You don't want to fill it in with a ton of dialogue where he's over-explaining himself. Yeah. And that was the kind of thing, and it took a while, and then it and it took time for you and all the cast members to get comfortable with him. You know, he was a, he was a new guy inheriting this hit show, and, uh, you know, it was... But I loved, I loved, as we got there, what an exciting thing to see it happen, because... He had the talent to do it, and 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 people began to get to know him and roll with roll with him and his own rhythms and so on. And you know, I feel once ultimately when we shot it, we hit the ground running, and and the show was just as popular and just as good with some with with some you know some changes in tone and some you know certain things like one example with Dave is that he would take on an issue like. Uh, race, which is not something that Brits understandably felt comfortable writing about in an American context, or wasn't their go-to. So it was, it was, it was fascinating, it was, yeah. you know. And and I I love I love that part of my job working on that. And when you obviously you had your secret drink, and it's sort of like you're both feeling each other out. Like Dave might not want to do it. And you and Julia, because Julia knew him obviously from Seinfeld probably, she, right? She knew him from Seinfeld. He was a young writer on Seinfeld, late in Seinfeld. Okay. Yes. 
And so you're vibing each other out at this drink. And then you guys are like, this could work or whatever. You and Julia walk away and Dave's like, I'll do it. And they figured out. And then when you start setting up the show in California, what sort of elements from the first, in terms of process, in terms of, you know, even crew, like I know some crew, what were you trying to preserve as we, because obviously it was going to be turned over completely to Dave, but I think you and Julia were probably trying to preserve some of the institutions of the first four years, if that's the right word. Do you remember like your mindset around that stuff? Absolutely. um, One thing we wanted, we tried to preserve was the rehearsal process that we described earlier. Uh, that Armando had with these kind of, they're really like workshops more than rehearsals, right? Workshopping right. the scripts. Um, it didn't, we did it, as you'll recall. Yeah. We did it, and Chris Addison, who a director trained by Armando, who remained with the show, you know, helped with them. But it didn't, it, it didn't really sit. But eventually, they, as I rec- they sort of fell away. I mean, we, you know, and... But, but Dave wanted them to work, and sometimes they would click. But basically, and, and Julia really wanted them to work. Um, but basically, he had his own style, and it and it and it and it didn't. Uh, you know, I mean, they just didn't last. They, um, we the what? tone of the show. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that there was one example of that that I remember really early on. We were workshopping a scene where Julia goes to visit or where Selena goes to visit uh, injured soldiers at Walter Reed. And right. I mean, we, I think we spent 45 minutes putting her in awkward situation after awkward situation of like, like uh-huh. burns and missing limbs and, tra- <laughs> and like callbacks to the, you know, anybody without legs, her, her massive discomfort around somebody who's lost Legless. a leg. We spent like 45 minutes on it. I remember that. And then at the end, Dave was like, that was all great. I can't use any of it. Like, you know what I mean? Like he was just like straight up, like, I don't know what to say. That was all incredibly funny. And we're going to be past this in five And what's funny about that, because it was, it it did transition out the rehearsal process, but we as actors love to play orderlies. They're like, I'll be a, it was like theater camp. Like it wasn't Mike. It's like, oh, I'll be the burn victim. Like I want to be the guy on the boat. I'll be the waiter. It's like, that's what was fun in the early seasons. Like we had so much and it is, uh, it's just, I don't know. It was just fun. Hilarious stuff. And, and, uh, you know, Dave is just a completely different sensibility from Armando, yeah. although they both admire each other enormously. Yes. And, and, and they, they, they had maybe met like, like everyone else I've worked with at one point, they were both like doctoring a Sasha Cohen movie. Yeah, or something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I it's have that on my the... resume too. I've, I've been writing <laughs> in that room too. Well, everyone has succession. Everyone, everyone has a <laughs> Sasha Cohen story. Uh, regardless of nationality or you know what kind of writer they are, but but um, uh, uh, Dave, but Dave just like yeah, I, he loved it as an audience and and but he could you know he had a way it's just a different a, a completely different um, orientation. Yeah, and keep in mind Armando had been a bef- performer and I've done stand up mm-hmm. a, a bit and Sketch. Dave has never been a performer. You know, we, I mean. He's, tiny cameos and things. So it comes from a different perspective as well as a different culture. Um, it's amazing how well in the end it meshed together. The, the, 
what else we try to preserve institutionally? I mean, Dave, you know, Dave immediately said we're having a real room. He's having a classic room. He was trained on, you know, Seinfeld and SNL yeah. and, 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 um, but no, but that was fine. That wasn't a, you know, it wasn't like to preserve the way Armando had sort of did his floating room through the ethosphere without a physical room. Otherwise, that's sort of it. I think that all the worries were about the tone of the show, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and there are certain things in the writing we always preserved. We never mentioned political parties. Many things that Armando set up, Dave, A, completely agreed with. Mm-hmm. They made the show work, and he hugely respected them and upheld them. So we never mentioned a, a, a president by name later than uh, Reagan, um, we we um, we don't mention political parties. Uh, certain things built into the writing, we upheld them. You know, we yeah. upheld the basic blueprint that Armando had created. The, here's one institutional thing from both the Armando and the Dave, uh, 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 not campaigns, uh, tenures. Yeah, tenures. Stewardships. Uh, between those two tenures, yeah, I was talking really. to a neighbor. Uh, a neighbor of mine who's a comedy writer in those like season six or season season seven, we had become good friends and neighbors and our kids are friends. And he was asking how it was going on set. And I told him that like the night before we had had like, you know, a solid hour where we, you know, the scene wasn't working. So all the writers that were there like got together. Cause you know, Dave would always have like a gaggle of, of writers uh, around mm-hmm. Video Village, who could throw jokes out, who could rewrite things on the fly. Armando had that as well. And 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 my friend was like, yeah, that absolutely doesn't happen. That is immensely specific to your show mm-hmm. that I have never been on another show where all, like the entire writer's room will be there on set. You'll have nine writers behind the show running. It was a little bit... It was a little extreme. Yeah, it wouldn't be the whole group with Armando, right? It'd be like no. two or three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. With but Dave, Dave liked the crowd. Dave, you know, yeah, around Dave, Dave liked the crowd. But I also I did notice that that was all like as we would shout for top minds with uh, with uh, uh, Armando when we were yeah, in Baltimore. Top minds, top minds, top minds, top minds, and and you know. Simon and Tony Roach and and everybody would just and Will Smith would just kind of you know paddle into the room. That 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 was an institutional thing that that uh, uh, that came from arm, arms tenure then to Dave's as well. And, yeah. Right, and, and by the way, interestingly, in Succession, um, it's not dissimilar. It's not the whole group, but of course, um, it's somewhat complicated by the fact that it's a real mixture of British and American writers, so not everyone can be at every place. Mm-hmm. But at least, even during when we were shooting during the pandemic. You know, it would be like, like Veep, Tony Roche would be there and and uh, Georgia sometimes and and uh, a handful of writers would be there. And even though the show is technically a drama, they're, they'd be looking for, la- you know, jokes sometimes or funny lines and do the one for fun at the last uh-huh. take, you know, everyone uh, improvising a bit. I think also... One institution that I think that was preserved between the two sort of tenures is that those rehearsals before scenes were like a serious unpack. Like, granted, we we still continued to get brand new sides the morning of, on no matter who the head writer was. 
and we were yeah, exactly. and, and we were often surprised and we all we all knew not to memorize anything because we knew it would change the next morning so that <laughs> that was preserved in the best way but i also feel like the license <laughs> the license that we as actors inside these scenes to 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 truly unpack and understand the scene in a way that you could slightly ignore the day. Like, I know we got four scenes today, but we really need to understand this and we can play with the props now that we have them and we can go, this isn't mine. Whereas on other shows that I've been on, I'm sure you've been too, Tim, it's sort of like, maybe we'll do a line through, but it's not like a real understanding. And if you have like, "Ah, I don't really get this or can we fix this to speak up to that. I feel like that was another thing, whatever that moment, that basic rehearsal before rolling where the camera guys watch and women and like the right, the director writer is there and then we rehearse it. And then obviously it's led by player coach, Julia Dreyfus, making sure she's happy going like, uh, uh-uh, uh, Tony do this here. Walsh come over here. Wait for me to say, Oh, mm-hmm. that's good. What do you got? And then like yeah. literally, I don't know what that's... I guess it's a rehearsal, but it's a little more than a rehearsal. It's a true understanding. It's almost like a dress rehearsal. I agree. It's like a dress rehearsal. That's what I was going to say. That's how I would term it. I think, um, you know, I think partially, too, it's a function of HBO, which gives you basically the resources to do that. Yeah. And I've been fortunate that I do these shows there, but there's a writer's assistant, American writer's assistant on Succession, who during the off season worked on a on a, a long running broadcast network show that shall remain nameless, mm-hmm. and he said, not only did they not go through the scenes the way we did on Veep or we do on Succession and and really try to rehearse them and work them out and have make sure all the actors know what they're doing and why they're saying what they are and what the you know and, and all and the physical business and all that, but he said in this show. There never was a blue script. There never was a second draft of the script. <laughs> they literally had one draft, and and uh, uh, and they had a uh, show still running. There was Star uh, uh, who would insist uh, that all his scenes be done, done like in two days and cut in to the episodes. And so it's just a, there, there's a whole the audience should know there's a whole other way to do this. Yeah, uh, and look, doing it our way didn't guarantee a good show, and there may be people who do it that other way that come up with great shows. I don't know. I doubt it. They may come up with serviceable shows or shows that are commercially successful or find an audience. But but um, it's an it. But it's it makes such a difference. And when you have you know really smart actors who have real creative muscles, as the you know the cast of Veep. Uh, did in its entirety, the whole core cast. Um, you, you, the benefits are enormous. Yeah. To, yeah, to give to give you the time to inhabit the scene, to all the nuances of the scene, the beat of the scene, the tone of the scene, the props, the physical business, the choreography, mm-hmm. and and of course in Veep, there's some of it involves sort of almost farcical movement at times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I think, I think back even to the pilot with, um, Tim, you getting the card back, you know, getting the miss sign, you know, a lot, a lot of care goes into that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and, um, I think of also the pilot, um, in the, uh, Matt, you in the closet and coming, you know, the choreography of that scene to come up 
with the uh, the spin of Selena, <laughs> uh, Selena's faux faux pas. Uh, uh, it's just you know, there's a lot. It's not something you can just oh, it's in the script and let's just execute it and do it. Yeah. Done. No, true. It wouldn't, and it wouldn't work the same way. And a lot of effort went into look making it look messy and sloppy, but it was very intentional. You know, the overlappingness and the interruption of it all. There's one Washington thing I wanted to mention, going back to Armando and the expertise of Washington. One of the best gags he wrote about Washington was for the pilot, and it didn't make it into the cut. Ooh. And it was it was when uh, Reed, playing Dan, is waiting to be interviewed by uh, uh, Selena, and he's sitting in the ant, you know, by Sue's desk, and he and Sufi have this dialogue, and I may get some of the details wrong because because we we didn't use it in the end, we shot it, but he's trying to plug his phone into a socket to recharge his phone, and she, either she or Amy, someone says, no, I'm using that socket, and you can't you know, plug your phone in there. That's Washington in a nut, nutshell <laughs> and Veep in a nutshell. <laughs> the desire for power, however tiny, the, for a little bit of clout, literally descends uh, to the level of fighting over a power outlet yeah. to recharge your phone. And then people are like throwing their weight around to, you know, screw each other out of that 10 minutes of recharging that's Washington. That's how intuitive Armando was about Washington, despite being a, a Brit. Anyway, go ahead. Well, you made me think me about you made me think about when we screened, I believe, the pilot, which was our first episode, first season. I think we did both screenings in DC. Yeah. And oh, I remember mm-hmm. one in New York, one in one DC. One in New York and one in DC. But I think Sorry. and I'm sure you were probably in attendance at both. But I uh, yeah. I feel like you're you're talking about what's quintessential DC. I feel like I was told that the biggest laugh on both audiences was wife, not daughter. When Gary's whispering, yeah. <laughs> it consistently... In the assembly line. Yes. In karaoke world... I mean, yeah, the receiving line, yes, exactly. It was hilarious. And it consistently was a blow-up, like, that is so true. <laughs> there was also... It really the, is, yeah. Wife, not, oh, wife yeah. not daughter. And I remember that when we when we screened it in New York, there was that line about uh, Selena finding out that uh, Catherine's boyfriend is Iranian. Uh, we don't even meet him. We have not met uh, uh, Rahim by wow. that point. But she just finds right. out, that, or that her roommate is Iranian. And Dilka. crickets right. in New York City. But when that line came up, like, yeah, he's Iranian, the entire Washington, D.C. audience blew up because they knew exactly why it's a politician probably. would do that thing of like, wait, what? <laughs> like, they, they knew exactly. So, like, that played so That's well in li- Washington. Yes, I, I I sort of remember that's hilarious. Yeah, and in those oh, moments, but you have, yeah, in those screenings, good. did you feel like oh, because you perhaps knew people in New York, and perhaps I'm sure you invited your friends, and did you have a good feeling mm. like oh, this show might be around for a few seasons after those like premiere screenings, or you still didn't know? I did. I don't. I didn't know enough. To know, <laughs> you know, that's a great honest answer. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we made the pilot. I said, "Oh, will will it uh, be picked up?" Yeah, I, I, I had, same as I, us. I thought, I, you know, it, it seems good to me, but what the hell do I know? You know, and I'm too, I'm too close to it. I still remember 
uh, I've never told this story before, and I will, uh, uh, and I will not put a proper name in it, although some people may guess it. But I still remember <laughs> the second season. We'd done a couple of episodes. A couple of episodes, I guess, were in rough cuts. We were still, we were still shooting. I guess, it, yeah, they must have been in cuts. I guess, or, they were, or maybe it was just dailies. We were still shooting the season. I remember being in the mattress. Hall of Mattress or whatever the hell we were shooting. We could hear every airplane going yep. into BWI. <laughs> Not soundproofed um, at all and underneath the not, flight pattern yeah. of BWI. Yes, true. Oh, true. And pigeons. And lots of pigeons and, that Dale would have to, like, hit with a broom <laughs> to get them to <laughs> shut up for one take or someone would. It was it was incredible. But I remember an executive uh, no longer at, at HBO and, 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 and not Richard Plepler, who had greenlit the show and loved it. But another executive uh, calling me up and saying, well, I guess it's a two-season show. Whoa! <laughs> and I was you know, like, really? And I felt, by then, I knew enough to know that was idiotic. Yeah. Wow. But it was, you know, but it was, but it was like, yeah, I think it's going to be a, it's, it's a two season show. You know, you guys tried hard. Ugh. That was the end of the that was the end of the call. <laughs> oh. And all I can say is, we lasted longer than you. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's so funny. The, the um, other thing I want yeah. the other thing I want to yeah, ask. Go ahead. You had a couple questions. I me. did. Is like between seasons, like Arm had inklings of like this season will be about maybe she'll get maybe we'll. Maybe we'll see President Hughes run through at the very end, or maybe maybe she'll get to be close to being president, but not. But like in terms of those interviews, because I feel like throughout the seasons, you guys sat down with really interesting people from the political world, whether it's Mitt mm -hmm. Romney or, you know, congressional people. I met like every press secretary that Tammy could hook me up with. Were there right. any were there any moments in those like between season writers' room? interviews, et cetera, that really like lit you up. Like, oh, that's a great storyline we just discovered. Like somebody says something and you're like, holy cow, like a revelation, a, an interview that was like a revelation perhaps to the writers and you and maybe introduce something where you guys didn't think you were heading or. I don't, I don't know about that. I think that, uh, I mean, some often the characters, the Washington characters that we met with, had more to do with character than storyline. Like okay. the the adoring press aide, you know, the adore the 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 you know, the, as you know, there were a number of character of people we met that as 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 I know um Anna did too and, and maybe you did too, who were very much like Amy. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, and of course there was someone who had who had uh, 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 impressed Armando who became the inspiration for Jonah, mm -hmm. <laughs> but but the guy who the actual person was like whale like that's where the name came from, and then this you know tall skinny guy comes in and uh, and knocks everybody dead. Um, I remember meeting one scheduler who was for a senator who said, "I would kill for him," like and meant it. Like she had crazy eyes. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Intensely it, said it, that it, out of nowhere, kind of. Yeah, I would kill for him. <laughs> And we were like, okay. Like, Why? Nobody <laughs> yeah, asked yeah, yeah. that. <laughs> it, it, no, exactly. And so 
that's sort of the way, you know, those interviews, Dave, yeah. those interviews, Dave is more of, a, you know, like he was a government major at Harvard. He, he was more of a, at the micro level, perhaps a little bit more of a political junkie than Armando. So something like Ben Ginsburg, this famous Republican election lawyer who, um, talk to us about what a recount would be like and things going to the House and the vote being tied and all that. A lot of expertise and maybe a little bit of story came out of it, you know? And um, and we used them in succession too, and it was just because it's some of it's so arcane and difficult to understand. It makes your teeth hurt. <laughs> but it was really got us ex- it really got us excited and and kind of amazingly so because uh, Dave is is very close to Al Franken, who's also a friend of mine, and it was Ben Ginsburg who represented that horrible guy Norm Coleman, who was in a dead heat with Al as being you know when the, in the Senate race in Minnesota where there was a long recount that ultimately Al won by like seventy votes. Wow! And Al just loathed this guy. It was like the Antichrist. <laughs> Dave said, "Well, we should meet with him anyway." Alan, like hearing that we found him <laughs> so useful, uh, he says. By the he was also he was also the big one of the big Bush lawyers in Bush v. Gore. Wow! And now he's become a now he's become a very prominent never Trump anti Trump Republican. But anyway, so that's sort of a slightly happy ending. But go on. What what else did you want to? Well, I'm going to throw ahead. this out, and and if I, and if I'm wrong, don't worry, we can cut it out. But I want to give you I want to give you a moment, maybe to take credit for the callback Tom Hanks joke mm-hmm. that, that ended the series. I have to say that I I actually deserve credit for that. Yeah. This is uh, incredible. <laughs> yeah. I hate this. I mean, I don't want to sound uh, immodest, but it's just a freak thing. I just, I we didn't quite have an ending and we had, you know, Selena dying and we had... The, uh, I think we had a, a newscast and somehow just, I, I think in the room, it just popped out of my mouth. What if Tom Hanks dies? And it's a throwback to that to the, scene we were talking in about. In the closet. In the closet and the pilot, yeah. Well, that would be the, what if Tom Hanks dies? You know, <laughs> people will forget that you use the word retard, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so funny because people have asked me, was that, the master plan of the writers to have that happen in the first episode and then call it back at the end. And it's so veep. <laughs> it's so veep because it happened live. Like, it's just like someone throwing something in and then it appears like there was no better choice. Yeah. And in, in the way the show functioned, like you guys, producers, writers, didn't know necessarily. Dave had, you know, Arm had ideas for the next season, but those details and those storylines often were discovered or... Season by season, it went. You know what I mean. And it's- look, Ar- Armando did one of the most daring things. People who much more experienced in television than me, uh, including people at HBO, saying, "You know, what a thing to to make her president." He decided that like in the middle of the season. Yeah, it wasn't. Pre- it was never on some game plan that had been charted out. And you know, you can't always do that, but with so spontaneously that's such a big production, cumbersome production process. But it is incredible to keep things alive as much as you can and not freeze them in in cement uh, because it just leads to more creativity and often more fun. 
you know, and sometimes you get bad ideas and then you see when you shoot them, you know, and throw them out. But, yeah. uh, but I had to get Tom Hanks permission. Uh, to that's kill the other all. thing is I, I mean, yeah. I remember, I, I don't know that I've laughed harder at a joke than the idea of Tom Hanks dying during her funeral. When that came up, I, I, I <laughs> cried with laughter at that last oh, table that's read. Great. And, it's su- and and then also the that other part of the story is that you guys all got in touch with Tom Hanks just to make sure, right? Like I, we knew that he was yes, a fan I, of the show. Yes, I can't remember who made the call. It might have been Julia. Julia. I think maybe me. Julia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To get his blessing, to get his blessing, to use his image or something, or just make sure. I he... mean, I think also like, hey man, we're thinking about killing you in this show. Like, would that be upsetting? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially as you're a, yeah. a person who is a fan of it. Yeah. I have to say, in the early days of COVID, when he was like the first celebrity case of COVID, said, oh my God. Oh, no. (laughs) No, this isn't isn't like the prediction (laughs) that we wanted. Well, by the way, I'm sure you saw it. Dave and Billy wrote that wonderful Daylight Savings thing that was Joan. I loved it. That was like one of the things that came to pass (laughs) in reality. And also like an an anti-vax political tour. Like, yeah, what are we going to do? Unbelievable. You know, we got out just in time because, but but right until the end, we were anticipating stuff. And of course, it's often frustrating. We'll shoot it. And then it's happened between when we shot it and when it's being aired. And people think, oh, maybe you copied it. But of course, we didn't. But it's amazing how much of Veep bits of all sorts remain in circulation you you know, it's, it's every other day, it seems, someone will take something in the news and post it on social media and say, oh, my God, this is just like V. Yeah. <laughs> or, and sometimes actually show a clip of the actual scene yeah. and split screen them. Yeah. I, we'll, uh, we should, we'll let you go. Yeah, we should let him go. we, we got to let you go. But I, I want to say one more thing that now anybody that's Please. listened to this now knows, like, what, Oh, oh, like what a lovely and intelligent and like just wonderful man oh. you are. And the Beltway Butcher is not you. to be feared. The Beltway, the Butcher of Broadway. The butcher this of Broadway, idea, like the Butcher me, of Broadway me. was your, was your, and I know that this has been covered in, in your life a lot, but I, I, I'm yes. sure we've told you this story before. That there was a guy that came down from New York who's a New York actor. actor. Several, this, this experience but, applied to several New York actors who yes. came to our rehearsal space to be a character on the show. Go that, ahead. That they, they would walk would, in. Like a few times, right. it would happen. They'd be in the rehearsal room and they'd be like, wait. They would come over to us like, wait, is that is that Frank Rich? And they were like, and we'd be like, yeah. And they were like, Frank Rich, Frank Rich. He used to be the, the, the theater reviewer for the New York Times. And we were like, yeah. And they would be like, man, he closed a show that was going to break me. Like, man, we got a Frank Rich review and we closed four days later. And that was going to be the thing. That that happened more than once. And so to have this reputation as like a guy like behind the scenes with a scalpel, just like, you know, just like clean kill. But then to just be obviously the wonderful and intelligent and and phenomenal guy you are. It's it's funny to put those... It's very generous of you, you know. And I think the Butcher Broadway thing, Broadway thing we don't think it was somewhat overstated, but I understand the actors reacting that way. I'll say one thing um, that's been a really great thing for me as a, as a producer, both of the band succession, is to be an advocate for theater actors who don't necessarily work a lot in television and, you know, and, 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 uh, 
you know, one example, Jonathan Adari on Veep, who was uh, so brilliant and, 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 you know, they're, they're lots, lot, you know, it's, it's fun to, although I was thinking one person who was not a theater actor who wanted to um, act on Veep and we let her read as an anchor person was uh, Rudy Giuliani's first wife. Wow. Donna Hanover, or his second wife, I guess, who he's, she's the one who famously, he announced that they were getting divorced at a press conference. <laughs> and then she, and then she locked him out of uh, Gracie Mansion. <laughs> she was, she, she, she was sort of, uh, 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 I not, seemed to be a nice person. Yeah. It's not her fault that she yeah. made a marital mistake long ago. <laughs> Felt sort of bad we didn't hire her, but, uh, we made fun of her son, who is now uh, uh, running for uh, governor of New York. Yeah. Wow. Andrew. Yeah. God, God um, bless him. <laughs> yeah. And well, thank you. Very, you're, first of all, great talking to it in real life soon, too. Yes. Yeah. But also, thanks for, thanks for your, you know, really generous, generous view of me on the on the show. I, you know, I, I just, you know, I miss it every day. I yeah. love working on it, and it lives on. Um, and, um, and you were an integral part yeah, of it. You were a yeah, huge yeah. part of it from the first, no, from the first day. I think, I, I, yeah. you know, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I, I can't be the judge of that, but I, I, I try to do what I could and, and, uh, you know, I hope we'll work together again before, you know, sooner rather than later. Absolutely. And just a trivia note, our producer Arvin just, yes, just closed a wonderful production of your old buddy, Stephen Sondheim's show, Assassins, and guess what song he sang? Uh, Which? Unworthy of Your Love. Best, best song in the show. It's a great, it's a great song, the John Hinckley song. Yes. What was the production? What was the production? It was uh, with East West Players. Oh, I know it's them very well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was... The, the, Back in the day, David David Wong, who's a friend of mine, was involved. John Lone, wow. oh, you yeah. know, and it's yeah, it's continued all these years. And I heard about that production. Were you? Did you? Did you like working on it? Was it? It was wonderful. It was. We 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 got shut down two years ago, right before the. Uh, we were supposed to open right before the pandemic hit, and so we were very lucky just like to... the CSC production here. The same story. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were very lucky to reopen. Um, and we just closed last week. So, yeah. How did the audience, well, how did the, you got audiences because people are now going to theater again there. Yes. And how did the audience respond, respond to it? They, I think they, you know, I'm biased, but. <laughs> I, I, <think> <laughs> yeah, I understand. Um, you know, I, and I'm, I didn't see the New York revival, the off-Broadway one that just happened. But right. I, I know because of the, after the rust incident, some of the staging, some of the gun handling changed a lot. And we were fortunate enough to still be able to maintain some of the intensity and some of the realism, if you will, with the gun handling. And and Matt can speak to this too, but I believe we were able to safely convey some of the intensity that the show really needs. Um, So we were very fortunate. We were very fortunate to be able to work. That's wonderful. I, you know, I, this that's obviously that's not for the podcast, no, but no, no. I was very close. I was yeah. I was very close to Steve, and my last conversation with him, he was complete completely with it. I mean, you know, he wasn't mm. sick. He he literally 
dropped dead, you know, of a heart attack on Thanksgiving night. But that was a Thursday night he died. I spoke to him on Sunday because I'd been to the matinee uh, of assassins at CSC Mm. here. And um, telling him, you know, discussing it with him. And um, it's really, he he feels about that show that of all the shows he wrote, it's the one that most realized what he wanted it to be in terms of how it was written. And, oh, wow. you know, and of course, it's only gained, like much of his stuff, it's only gained in in authority since. I mean, you listen to another national anthem, it's like the MAGA anthem. Yeah, wow. Really. Right. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, and that pop, angry, where's my prize, where's my fucking prize? You know, it's like it's right. all of that. It's really, that. it's like a MAGA rally. And... Um, <laughs> You know, and it was written 30 years ago. Right. Uh, and, it's kind and, of amazing. My scene specifically, there's a line when I miss one of the shots. It says, where, we, where was he trained the Russian army? Which was written so long ago, but it kind of has this eerie truth today, you know. it's It it's, really it's is just a, amazing, amazing. Well, I'm glad you had that experience. Our show suffers when Arvin has a second life. Honestly, we hate We're it. So we glad. hate it. The show is closed. But also, Frank, one thing you that get we, it. You can advocate for me, right? Theater one thing that we hard. forgot to mention was that Arvin, we didn't know this until our first meeting with him. He actually played the host or the head waiter of the Korean restaurant oh, where God, Mike, yeah. he was on Veep. Yeah. He was also on I Veep. I always forget <laughs> that. What's the name of the restaurant, Arvin? Uh... Oh god. Uh, it yeah. was when you know remember. when Mike goes Hansong, out and sees Hansong. that backroom deal. And with, I'm watching with uh, Hugh, Hugh Laurie. Laurie. Yes. yes. Oh Pete, yes. Pete Gross. So that was Arvin. Arvin is the guy Mike gets food to go and his his Groupon doesn't I remember work. His Groupon, yeah. His Groupon didn't work. You're the guy? You're the guy who's telling him the Groupon doesn't work? Yeah. Yes, I'm that guy. <laughs> I remember that scene. I remember that scene vividly. It was a hilarious scene and <laughs> and, and and also, you know, Mike's just supreme disappointment at not getting that deal. That deal. Well, I drove all the way out to like it was way outside of DC, wasn't it? Like Alexandria or something crazy. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just to use the Groupon. You got to understand, Mike Frank. He drove a lot of miles for that. I know. And then you know what the hell is this? Um, Oh yeah. Do you want to plug anything? Is there anything you want to plug? That you want to... No. No? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm... I'm fu- <laughs> Frank, you're no. the best. Hard no. Hard no. You're like, no. No. God, no. Oh, God. <laughs> no, yeah, what am I going to plug? It's been no, a fucking book pandemic, or a you know. season? Uh, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> you're just like, no, Google no, me. No, I don't I'm care. Not, uh, no, I'm... I Just, you know, great to see you guys. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank, thank you so thank much. You. And, um, it's tell awesome Alex, hey. Yeah, tell send Alex. Send her best, hey. send her love. Uh, yeah, she says hi to you. She, she'll she'll listen with great interest or some interest. She'll be interested in the yeah. two of you. Yeah, not, heard yeah she's heard you talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, let us know when you're out we, here again. We want to absolutely say hi to both of your superior others. Yes. No, uh, both, we miss them too. They're so sweet. They really, they're such, you know, we've got to, we'll, we'll see it. Alex will come with me one of these times and. Uh, after the this cut is done, and then and then um, we'll get together. All right. Okay, sounds and find good. us if you're in New York. Okay. Yes, I will. Absolutely. We'll love you all. All right. Later. Okay. Thanks for watching Second in Command of Eep Rewatch. Yeah. Please hit the subscribe button and tune in every Tuesday when the new ones drop. Rewatch the show for exclusive behind the scenes stuff, info, insight, and more. Episodes coming, and thanks for watching.
Yeah, hit that uh, subscribe button. This is the mouse arrow, right? That's what you're representing. It's the cursor. Put it. Do a little circle with your finger, and it'll it'll like be bigger, so you can see where it is. Oh, okay.